Uh, if we haven't met, my name is Pastor Jason Carlson. I'm the pastor of Adult Ministries here at uh, Lakes Free. And uh, today I'm going to be leading us in this next section in our summer series through the book of 1 Samuel. Today we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 18. Now, as I begin this morning, I'm going to share a true story with you about myself. Uh, it's a true story that I'm not at all proud of. Uh, it's a story about one of those times in life where you did something so bad that you wish you could go back in time and take a do-over. You know, you know what I'm saying? Well, this story is one of those times for me. When I was in junior high, 8th uh, grade to be exact, I was really into BMX bike riding. And uh, whenever I had any free time, you could find me out uh, messing around on my bike. My friends and I, we would, uh, we'd love to build jumps and, you know, see who could uh, fly the farthest down the road. We would uh, do wheelies, you know, and see who could ride the longest wheelie through the neighborhood. And I mean, any time I had any free time, I would be out tinkering with my bike. We'd spend hours in the garage uh, trying to match the latest, coolest trends and handlebar positions. You know what I'm saying, guys? Remember how I used to, should we put it forward today or back? And, and we were always messing around with our bikes. We loved our bikes. And, of course, you know, I thought my bike was the coolest bike in the whole neighborhood, right? That is until one day when Timmy Schrader showed up with a brand new shiny red BMX bike. I mean, friends, this bike was gorgeous. Just beautiful. Or as I would have said back in eighth grade, it was totally radical, dude. I mean, it was a sweet bike. And... Timmy's bike made mine and all the rest of the bikes in our neighborhood look like junk. I mean, it was just on another level. And I wanted his bike. We all wanted his bike. And I remember that summer how every time Timmy would ride by on his brand new shiny BMX, my friends and I would look at him with envy. We were jealous. He had a cooler bike than the rest of us, and we all knew it. And instead of being happy for Timmy we eventually began to resent him. Pretty soon, we couldn't stand the sight of Timmy riding by in his brand new shiny red BMX. Now, friends, I'll admit, my envy alone was bad enough. But here's where I get really ashamed when I think back on this story. After a couple weeks of letting my envy stew, I did something really awful. Uh, one day when... Timmy was riding, bike on his, riding by on his brand new bike, my envy finally erupted. And on a whim, w without even thinking, I grabbed a broomstick from my garage and I went running down the driveway. And right as Timmy rolled in front of my house, I jammed that broomstick through Timmy's front tires. And friends, I remember vividly the scene. Timmy's front tire immediately bent in half. Spokes were flying everywhere. And Timmy went flying head first over his handlebars and into the pavement. And I can still remember vividly the sheer terror I felt as I heard Timmy crying in pain as he lay there in the street. I knew I had done something terrible. And I knew that I was about to be in really big trouble. Well, friends, I did get into some serious trouble for this incident. In fact, it's only by God's grace that I didn't get in any more trouble than I did. 
uh, Timmy's crash could have been a whole lot worse. Fortunately, though, Timmy's crash, while it was ugly, uh, he was able to recover from his injuries, and in fact, we eventually restored our friendship. However, friends, I learned a major lesson from this incident. Envy and jealousy are dangerous, dangerous emotions. And if left unchecked, they can bring serious consequences into our lives. This morning, friends, I'd like for us to spend some time looking into what God's Word has to teach us about the dangers of envy and jealousy, these common emotions that all of us must battle on a regular basis. Scripture is actually full of stories and warnings against harboring thoughts and feelings of envy and jealousy. In fact, God is so serious about envy that he prohibited prohibited coveting as the Tenth Commandment. Exodus 20.17, God tells us, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Friends, envy and jealousy are very serious issues in God's eyes. And today, we're going to look at a powerful example from Scripture of how these emotions can destroy a person's life and spill over onto others as well. But most importantly today, we're going to consider some of the ways that we can combat these negative emotions and ultimately find victory over them. The example we're going to look at today comes out of 1 Samuel chapter 18. Now, if you remember from recent weeks in our series this summer, we've seen how King Saul has lost favor with God and how God has removed his anointing from King Saul and has now given that anointing to David, who will soon become the future king of Israel. But David now is basically in waiting, waiting for God to remove Saul and install him as the new king. Last week, if you are here, we looked with Pastor Jim at that famous story of David and Goliath, how David delivered Israel from this ferocious giant and brought Israel this great military victory over the Philistines. Well, King Saul doesn't realize at this point that David is the one whom God has chosen to ultimately take his place. And so Saul ends up celebrating David. And we pick up the story today where Saul honors David for this great victory over the giant Goliath. And Saul invites David now to serve him as a member of his royal court and in his military. But as we're going to see, friends, Saul's thoughts about David are soon to change. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me now to 1 Samuel chapter 18. We're going to read together uh, from verses 5 through 16 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen behind me. 1 Samuel 18, verses 5 through 16. Whatever Saul sent him to do, David did it so successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the people and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the giant Goliath, the women came out of all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with tambourines and lutes. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry, 
This refrain galled him. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully upon Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the harp, as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, but had left Saul. So he sent David away from him and gave him command over a thousand men. And David led the troops in their campaigns. In everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. When Saul saw how successful David was, <clears throat> he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. Now, friends, I'd like to make a couple of observations about this passage this morning as it relates to our topic of envy and jealousy. And observation number one today is this. Saul has a giant problem. Saul has a giant problem. You could also say it like this. Saul has a giant problem. Each way is equally true, as we'll see here in a moment. Last week in chapter 17, we saw how Saul and the army of Israel were confronted with a tremendous challenge. This huge giant of a man named Goliath, who had paralyzed the entire army of Israel with fear. And now, here in chapter 18, we find that Saul is once again confronted by a serious giant. A giant that many of us have encountered ourselves. The green giant known as envy. Now friends, you may recognize that I'm using a little play on words here. Talking about the green giant or envy. Many of us have heard the phrase before, green with envy. This description originated back in the 7th century B.C. with an ancient Greek poet. You see, the ancient Greeks believed that the emotions of envy or jealousy were accompanied by an overproduction of bile, lending a greenish complexion to the one consumed by these feelings. And since the time the ancient Greeks first used this phrase, many other famous people, people like Chaucer and Shakespeare have also borrowed this statement, green, with envy. Now, we know that envy doesn't really produce such a physical reaction in our body. However, the description green with envy has stuck. It's become a common phrase in our culture. And for our purposes today, it's important to understand, friends, that envy truly is a giant problem, a green giant that is ferocious, and has the ability to destroy lives. What is envy? Envy is when we covet what another person possesses. It's when we look at someone else and say, man, I sure wish I had what she has. And instead of responding positively to these thoughts, we begin to form a malicious grudge against the other person. And while similar to envy... Jealousy is a bit different. Jealousy is when we begin to fear that someone else, maybe because of the things that we envy in them, is going to take something from us. Like the jealous boyfriend 
who was worried that another man in his good looks and charm might steal away his girlfriend. And here in chapter 18, Saul is confronted by this twin-headed monster, this green giant of envy and jealousy. He watches David's success and his growing praise amongst the people, and he's envious of that success and praise, and he grows jealous, fearing that David might take away what is his, his fame, his glory, the love of the people, and maybe even his kingdom. And Saul here, instead of fighting this green giant and dealing with his emotions in a healthy manner, Saul allows the giant to set up camp in his life. And this leads me to observation number two this morning. Saul's giant envy has consumed him. The giant's consumed him. You know, friends, envy doesn't work any differently than any other sin that Satan seeks to ensnare us with. Like other sins, envy begins with a simple thought, a temptation. And in verses 8 and 9, we see how a simple, unchecked thought leads to envy in Saul's life. And the twin-headed monster begins to grow and consume and control him. Take a look with me again at verses 8 and 9. Saul was very angry. This refrain galled him. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. See, friends, Saul has fallen prey to the same pattern that God's word warns us about when it comes to all sins. Consider what God tells us in the book of James. James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Saul here, being motivated first and foremost by his personal desires and self-interest, has allowed the twin-headed giant of envy and jealousy to entrap and consume him. And as James warns, Saul's envy and jealousy of David ultimately conceives, and it gives birth to sin. And it won't take long for that sin to grow up in Saul and ultimately give birth to death. In Saul's case, literally, as he himself attempts to murder David, and then later plots to have David murdered by others. Friends, an unguarded heart and thought life can have very serious consequences. Anytime we allow temptation of any type to gain a foothold in our lives, we are on very shaky ground. And this is definitely true of envy and jealousy. I want you to consider with me for a moment this morning a few of the consequences of envy in our lives. I mean, think about this. First of all, envy devalues our true worth. It devalues our true worth. When we envy others and covet things we don't possess, what we're basically saying is, I'm not content with the person God made me to be and the plans he's made for my life. 
and we end up buying into the lies of Satan that tell us we're something less than a masterpiece of God. As if God was mistaken when he made you who you are, or mistaken in the plans he has for your life. And these lies end up devaluing our true worth in God's eyes. Secondly, envy makes us incapable of gratitude. You know, the thing about envy is this. The envious heart can never be truly thankful because the envious heart never truly believes it has enough. Have you ever noticed that, friends? Maybe even in your own life? The more you covet what you don't possess, the less you appreciate the things you do. And Satan uses envy to draw our thanksgiving away from God and to implant bitterness in our hearts. Thirdly, envy is a divisive force. It divides people. When we envy others, we no longer view them as God views them. And we're unable to celebrate God's unique work and his blessings in their lives. This is why James chapter 3, verse 16 warns us, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. People who are envious of one another cannot move together in unity. And Satan loves discord, especially when he can implant it in the church. You know, nothing can derail the mission of the body of Christ like envy. It's a divisive force. Lastly, and most significantly, envy, like other sins, damages our walk with the Lord. You know, when we've bought into the lies about our own self-worth, when we've become bitter and we no longer see the many blessings in our lives, when envy has caused division in our relationships, we are well on our way towards full-blown rebellion against God. And many people like Saul, end up in this place as a result of their unchecked envy, angry and shaking their fists at God. It's just like Proverbs 19.3 says, A man's own folly ruins his life, yet his heart rages against the Lord. You see, friends, envy is serious business. It really is a giant problem. And in 1 Samuel 18, Saul faced the green giant, and it consumed him. In fact, we can see every one of the consequences we just looked at played out in Saul's life. And friends, Saul's story should serve as a warning to all of us. None of us is immune to the dangers of envy and jealousy. The green giant, the twin-headed monster of envy and jealousy, is ferocious. And his attacks can be relentless. But there's good news this morning, friends. And the good news this morning is this. The giant can be defeated. The giant can be defeated. And this brings me to our points of application for today. I'd like to share with you, as we wrap up this morning, three principles for slaying the green giant in our lives. For finding victory over envy and jealousy. And principle number one this morning is this. To slay the green giant, we must first recognize his hunting grounds. Friends, if we're ever going to find victory over envy and jealousy in our lives, we must first understand the factors 
that give rise to these emotions? What are the common triggers to watch for? When should we especially be on guard against envy and jealousy creeping into our lives? Where does the giant hunt? Where does he hunt in your life? You know, first of all, envy lurks where others succeed on our turf. Envy lurks when others succeed on our turf. You know, I don't know about you, friends, but I usually have no problem with envy when it comes to areas of life that I have no interest in. You know what I'm talking about? My, my, neighbor, my neighbor has an awesome garden. I mean, it's beautiful. And this guy knows what he's doing when it comes to veggies. But I'll tell you something, friends. I don't envy his squash in the least. I mean, I, I, I don't. I'm happy for the guy, right? I mean, he's got great squash, but I don't envy him at all. However, as soon as someone comes along and begins to succeed on my turf, in my area of expertise, in my business, suddenly the green giant begins to show his ugly face. You know what I'm talking about? Envy lurks when others succeed on our turf. And we need to be aware of this keep our guard up. Secondly, envy stalks when we covet what others possess. Covetousness is a serious problem today. And this is an area where we need to be especially vigilant. I read this week that the advertising industry in America spends $6 billion a day, $6 billion a day, fostering a perpetual state of longing in our culture. And the primary message being sent out and embraced by people today is that we won't feel fulfilled unless we get what the other guys got. But of course, friends, we know that there's always something more, isn't there? And the cycle just goes on and on. Covetousness may be the most pervasive sin in America today. Yet most of us never even think about it. And the giant stocks. Thirdly, envy preys upon our disappointments and heartache. Life isn't always fair. And sometimes the temptation and our disappointment is to become envious of another's blessings. Why should your relationship fall apart while others thrive? Why should your business struggle during these tough economic times while the other guys is booming? Why should your family, a family of faith, be plagued with so much trouble? when your pagan neighbors seem to have it made. You know, friends, as soon as we begin to think like this, letting our disappointment and hurt lead to envy and resentment, Satan has us right where he wants us. The giant preys upon our disappointments and heartache. We need to understand this. And when those difficult times come, we need to keep our guard up. You know, slaying the green giant is possible. But to do so, we must first recognize where he hunts. And we must stay vigilant. Principle number two this morning, and this follows closely on the heels of our last point. To slay the green giant, we must be careful of what we feed. We must be careful of what we feed. When I was a bachelor, I had a plant in my old townhouse that I affectionately called the beast. Now, I don't know what type of plant this was. It was some type of vine-like plant. And this, this plant grew like crazy. I mean, its vines grew like crazy. 
And one year, I thought it would be really cool to really take good care of this plant, see how long I could get the vines of the beast to grow. And so I made a point this one year to really care for this plant. I watered it faithfully. I would move it around the house every day to make sure it had the proper sunlight at all times. I even went out and bought plant food on a regular basis for this thing, hoping to fuel its growth. Well, friends, the beast grew, and it kept on growing. And eventually, this plant's vines were literally sprawled all over my townhouse. And, you know, while the beast was cool for a time, it eventually became a major hassle. I mean, I would walk around the corner, and I'd be tripping over the vines of this thing. Whenever I would have company over, uh, the beast was hanging down over my loft in my townhouse, and people would get caught up in the vines, you know. I mean, it, it was a major problem. And what I thought was once cool turned, it, turned out to be a major pain. You know, I was eventually persuaded to get rid of the beast, uh, something about my future wife not thinking it was as cool as I did. But friends, the point of my story is this. Be careful of what you feed. Because what you feed grows and becomes the dominant influence in your life, for good or for bad. Be careful of what you feed. If you're continually feeding the twin-headed monster of envy and jealousy in your life, dwelling on what you don't have, coveting the things of others, fearing that someone else is going to take what is yours, the giant is going to continue to grow and get bigger and bigger in your life. And as we saw earlier from the book of James, and as we see in the example of Saul's life, unchecked sin, like envy, can have serious consequences, even leading to death. And so, friends, let me encourage you. If you struggle with envy, don't feed that beast. Starve the giant. Instead of focusing on thoughts that inspire envy and jealousy or lead to other sins, Replace those negative thoughts with the truth. This is why the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4.8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about the excellent and praiseworthy things of God. Let your focus, let your heart meditate on those thoughts. You know, one of the primary keys to achieving victory over envy and jealousy is to guard your heart and your thoughts against the lies that fuel temptation. You know, friends, the reality is this. Temptation is always going to be there for you. It's always going to be there for you. It's a reality of our fallen world. But you don't have to feed it. Immerse yourself in the truth. Let those things that are excellent or praiseworthy become the dominant influences in your life. And I guarantee you, friends, you'll have the green giant on the run. Lastly today, principle number three. To slay the green giant, you must ultimately find your joy and contentment in God alone. Friends, you will never be at peace in your life until you find your happiness in the Lord above all else. In Psalm 37, verses 3 and 4, David shares with us the secret to contentment in life and the ultimate weapon against the green giant. David says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. 
You know, friends, envy, jealousy, and resentment are only issues when we seek to find our joy and contentment in a source other than God. It's the only time it's a problem. And so the next time these emotions creep up on you, this is a great opportunity to check yourself and reevaluate what are the priorities in my life right now. And you see, the more you give God first place in your life, and the more we make the pursuit of Him our top priority, the more you'll find that the rest of your priorities get straightened out. And suddenly you begin to discover that things that once seemed so important to you are now very minor or even insignificant. By putting God first in our lives, His desires become our desires. And we begin to see everything in a whole new light. The light of truth. You know, friends, it's hard to envy someone when you're looking at them through God's eyes. It's hard to be jealous when you trust that God is in control. And it's hard to covet when you find your ultimate joy in your relationship with your Heavenly Father. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Friends, this is so true. And it is the ultimate weapon against envy and jealousy. If you're struggling with these emotions today, envy or jealousy in your life, the key is to stop desiring what others have and start desiring God more than anything else. God will honor you for that. And I promise you, it will revolutionize your entire outlook on life. Well, I need to close. The time's running out on us, and I'm just getting warmed up, to be honest with you. Friends, my prayer for all of you today, my prayer for you today is this, that you wouldn't be consumed by the green giant, the twin-headed monster of envy and jealousy. Satan seeks to use these emotions to keep us from experiencing life and life to the full as God wants for all of us. But with God's help, we can fight back. He'll help us find victory over envy and jealousy. And my prayer today is this, that you will be encouraged today. That you will leave here today encouraged and more confident than ever that it really is possible to slay the green giant, the twin-headed monster of envy and jealousy in your life. You don't have to succumb to this giant. Victory is possible with God's help. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the hope that we have in you. The hope for victory over all sins, but specifically today, Lord, the sins of envy and jealousy, the green giant, the twin-headed monster. Lord, all of us face the temptation to be envious, to be jealous, to covet others' possessions. Lord, I just pray that you would help guard our hearts. I pray, Father, that as we just talked about, that all of us here might seek to put you first and foremost in our lives and put you at the top of our priorities and thereby find that the rest of our priorities get straightened out and that we find our ultimate joy and contentment in you. Father, I just pray, especially if there's anybody here this morning who in particular feels like the green giant is really right in their face today. Maybe they've been fighting a long battle with envy and jealousy. Lord, if there's somebody here today in that situation, I just pray, Father, that your truth, Lord, 
might consume them, that they might replace those negative thoughts and emotions with your truth. Like Philippians says, those things that are excellent, praiseworthy. Lord, I pray that those things, the true things of you, might consume them and take over their hearts today. Help them find victory over the green giant. Lord, we thank you that in you it is possible to conquer this sin. And Father, we just pray today for our friends here, God. Help us to leave encouraged that victory is possible as we trust in you and hope in you. In Jesus' name we pray.